Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Point with me, your host, Jeff Spikes. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm always excited to be here and to be using my voice to help share ideas and um, collaborations. Um, and today I, we're going to, we're going to talk about something that is really dialed in on change, but not just change with ourselves as individuals, but change in regards to how it affects others, right? So we, when, we're, when we're changing, we're affecting ourselves and we're affecting others. If we're leading and managing a process or if it's in our homes, there's a, there are a couple different environments where it could affect others, but even those who are closest to us, if we're just changing our personal life, it does have an impact. When it specifically has an impact, on others, it's because of a, because of we're working with them or we're in a project together, or we all have a similar goal or it's my staff or, or then it's really important to get their feedback. And it's not just enough to talk to them. So sometimes we want to reserve. So I'm going to tell a story. It is story time. I used to tell a lot of stories and people would say, story time, time for stories. Uh, because I would, once I got on a roll, I wouldn't stop. But I'm going to tell a story about a someone who um, I really loved working with and admired, and her name was Gladys. And we were in, um, and we were at Starbucks, and we were in an environment of constant change. We were looking for constant improvements. I had stepped into a store. This is a number of years ago that was really, really busy. It was known for having 20, 30 plus minute lines, and. Starbucks is known for expediting and getting people through quickly. And so we were really looking at ways to do that. Well, there were a couple of extenuating circumstances that did make it difficult. And we consistently worked through those things. Well, this story is not necessarily about expediting. But what it is about, it's about inventory. And it's about a process that we were following to try and make other things smoother, right? So there's this idea to remind ourselves, uh, I'm, I'm going to take a side note here really quick. I had the opportunity to sit with, sit in a room with a bunch of uh, supply chain medical professionals today and listen to somebody really speak about Six Sigma and, a, and being a culture of change. And it was a really neat topic. And a question came up about when a lot of people in a work group come together and Let's say out of a, a room full of 10 managers or, 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 you know, people responsible for work groups would come in and there's four major changes that needed to happen and they're all must have, have to have. What do we do? How do we do that? And the answer was, well, all of them are probably important or the people wouldn't bring them forward. But it was also in, in that particular setting, without asking what the culture is of the team or of that particular group was, you put whatever has the greatest effect on the patient first. So whichever one has the greatest impact on the patient experience, that has to be dealt with first. Then the amount of change it will create, the amount of improvements, right? So then you can measure all of the other improvements, but you put that first. And I was reminded of the value. We're always talking about having an, uh, the highest level of understanding of what we want. And that having that creates some really easy decision-making if we keep that fresh in our mind. Not to look at daily 
or minute by minute, but to look at regularly enough that it stays fresh in our mind, this large overarching view of what we really want, because that helps guide our decisions. Had that person, that person may, might, may have just been looking for some creative ideas. However, they were also looking for some guidance as to what that, what that real answer is. And had they been thinking clearly that they knew the largest picture values that they had as a work group or an organization, they might not have had to ask that question because they would have already had a way of evaluating competing priorities. Well, when you and I have competing priorities, and I, and this, I recommend this to you, if you don't have the highest arching goal you can imagine, and maybe even bigger than that, if you're a five-year goal or a 10-year goal person, double it, push it to 20 or 30. You can go as high as you want, right? So have the highest arching goal you can and stretch that a bit and really work on connecting towards that because that will guide your overall vision. And maybe the value, maybe you're not going to measure it by years. Maybe you're going to measure it with some other form of that's significant to you, but have that highest level that you can, because in, in the hospital environment, in the medical environment, it is about creating that level of care. And anytime we lose that, we, we, and people suffer. So enough of that. I'm going back to Gladys, the story of Gladys. Now, Gladys was about, she was less than a hundred pounds for sure. She was full of fire and energy. Her energy was so big. You'd never think of her as a small person or, um, anything like that. She was such a big personality and had so much energy and was so kind, always putting people for others first, had a heart of service in, in er, that, that went across all, all lines. It was someone on the street to someone at work to an actual customer. And she was really fun to, to have around and to be around and, um, create an environment with. So she of course was promoted to a management position. I, at the time it might've been shift supervisor, could have been assistant manager. And I had a plan that had to do with teaching managers how to inventory their store on a weekly basis and expedite that process and make it faster so that they consistently affected having all the product they need reg needed, regardless of the rushes and the peaks and everything else. And they could have the time. And if the inventory could be done quickly, it supported really fast decision-making and what to order and it simplified the process. Now, again, in that environment, the highest level of goal is to satisfy the partners and the client and the customers, right? You want the partners, the, the, the people working there and Starbucks calls them partners. You want the partners and the clients to have these enthusiastic experiences that serve their needs. And you want that repetitively over and over and over. You want everyone walking away walking out feeling better than they, than they walked in. So that's what it was as I was there. So all of these tasks helped build up, they build a foundation up to being able to have that experience as easy and effortless as possible, putting systems and processes in place. So my thing was get it down to where you know you have a par and the par of that inventory. So the par level is how much you're going to keep on hand at all times and what you'll fill to at all times. And you have a minimum and a maximum and you always fill the space when you order. So once you get to know the cycle, you can create these spaces 
and do that. And if there's, and you can create exceptions as you need to for all kinds of things, but we're going to talk today about boxes of Frappuccino mix because they came in a box of 12, a lot like those boxes of, of, of boxed milk comes in these cases of 12 and they can be a little heavy. And I'm like, my, one of my best practices that I teach people was leave them in the cases and put them away. You put it away fast. You absorb the opening the case into the mix of the, of the moment of the day, which isn't that big of a deal. You just reach down, rip the box open and grab, grab what you need. And the trash goes regular. So I was that way order put away, didn't take as long. Inventory didn't take as long and all these things. And I had instituted this and I had asked this team, I had gone through the team and I'd asked them, do you see any challenges or problems to this? And everybody's like, well, no. And a lot of people didn't like it. They were like, well, we, we don't like it. I don't understand why we can't open the cases and put them away, but they couldn't really speak to why. And, and I finally, after really trying to gain buy-in said, look, why don't we try this and let's see how it works. And if, and let's see if you like it and let, then let's see if doing it this way, if you really just buy into it and try it for a couple of weeks and then we'll see what happens. And of course, because we had developed this trusting environment where we all knew that we were looking out for our best interests and we all had that higher level of goal in mind that we wanted to have customers get their drinks quickly, regardless of the, of the time of day and the rush or what was happening next door or anything else. And that we could really just make this change that would really impress a lot of people and most importantly, the customers that were tired of waiting so much and we can grow the store and get more, you know, another thing is at that point, then you get more staff to help out in, in peak times. And it was really about moving through that cycle and winning. So everyone was bought into the biggest, largest arching goal. So they were all willing to try something. Well, here's where the story gets funny, right? Or interesting, right? Gladys was going along with it. She was one of the largest, one of the most, she was one of the people that was most against it, but she couldn't really, she, she didn't understand. She was, well, if I put away the individual boxes, I can still count them. And it's like, well, then we, and it was like, well, then we need to have a system of how many fit and how many don't. And th there was too many variables that could make an inventory off where if you just leave it in the case, it's simpler. And so we tried it. A week into it, I'm there going through the order intake process where we're receiving an order and we're starting to put it away and we're evaluating how much space is needed on the shelves. And I watched Gladys, who is a, in a cartoon fashion in my mind, in my mind's eye, I'm watching her and she's going to pick up this case to slide it deep into this cabinet. And, you know, we're talking about a very petite person and I saw her as she's trying to lift the case and push it into the cabinet, which has to go pretty far back, right? So now we're talking about leverage, having to hold it up at a distance from your body. And it, it weighs 25% of what she does maybe. And I saw her feet lift off the ground in cartoon fashion. That's not really what happened as she's trying to pick up the case. And I had this light bulb go off that we won. She had no idea how to communicate what was challenging for her. She's such a positive, forward-thinking person that she just knew what she knew was right and she couldn't communicate it. She couldn't find the words to say, it's too heavy 
for me to lift and easily put in there. And I'm worried about, I'm, I'm risking injury and it's really hard to do. And, and of course she was so, she's such a positive person that she was like, I'll do it. And so she's trying it and I watch her I'm, I'm, I'm in observation mode and there you have it, right? So of course I'm reminded in this story, the importance of checking, right? So when we make, when we make change and we do things, we want to always check it. So you want to plan, then you want to do, and you want to observe or evaluate, and then you want to act, right? So there's, it's, it's a lot like when we're teaching, we want to, um, you know, tell, show, do feedback. We tell someone what to do. We show them what to do. We let them do it. And then we give them feedback, right? We do that over and over. And that's a great learning process. Same thing with change. You want to plan it. You want to do it. You want to evaluate it. Then you want to take action on what you want to do. Sometimes you want to adjust. Sometimes you want to act, but there's a, there's a way to make sure you're, so here we are in the observation mode and in the testing mode of how well did we order and what are the sizes and how can we put it away? And we find Gladys not able to lift the box. And we're also in that seeing the need for adjustment because now in the need of being inclusive and wanting to be successful, you want to go to, you want to make it work for everyone on the team. And now we have a story and a reason to buy into anyone that has no problem lifting a case and putting it in there because that seems easier at the time. Now we have a respectful reason within our values as a work group to say, this is why we're doing it individually. What came out of that was a method where we would count and know that day we did this, we loaded them in, we made a measurement and we started putting markings on that in that cabinet that say, this is how many are there. If it's here, 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 and here, so that we could level set that if it's full to this point, we know that there's 50 or whatever the number is. Right. And then we'd know how many to actually order. And we did it by individual box versus case. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal other than had we not taken the time to process these things and to really go through it in a way of including people and making sure they had a voice, we might never have known. And she might have left, she might have ended up feeling not listened to because she was really verbal about it and was really convinced that what we were doing wasn't going to be very good. And, you know, worst case scenario, her or someone else could have hurt themselves trying to lift a full case in and put it away. So that became a standard and best practice. Now we communicated that in some internal communications and helped you know, I helped bubble that up to the team and, and, uh, you know, that was trying to drive some change. And we ended up making that a standard. Now, I don't know if that standard went global or just na national or, but I know it was re at least regional and it affected three regions that I know of. And we also had a story of how we were really paying attention and how we were honoring each other and valuing each other in a work environment. And Gladys felt listened to, she felt heard, she felt part of the team, as, as did I and everyone else involved. And then it rooted, it just, just put in some depth and rooted the reason for that change. So sometimes there's a resistance, right? There's sometimes there's this resistance to want to follow a process and say, well, why can't I just change? Why can't I just do it? And, you know, when we're on a team, there's two kinds of, there, 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 I like to talk about this a lot when I'm in companies and we talk about 
the difference between a multiplier and a diminisher. And there's a book called Multipliers that I share with um, a lot of executives. And it was written by a woman that was, uh, well, by two people, but um, that during a time of Oracle's massive growth and change that they went through becoming the company, the, the leader, the giant that they are. And one of the things that they looked at was the idea of being a multiplier and developing multipliers and attracting multipliers. And, you know, we start thinking about that. The question, the call to action on my part is, am I being a multiplier? What I challenge you to do is think about, are, is your, in your thought process, are you, are you adding to something in a positive way? And are you uh, helping? I'm going to tell you straight up. I felt like I was bringing an amazing tool and an amazing skill. And I was being really helpful by bringing this idea of throwing cases in. And we found a different way to go about doing it. Not really that complex. I'd been in other supply chain and warehousing environments where we had done that just in a much larger scale. And there's different ways to store things and stock things that make sense for different, many different reasons. But this was just a little bit different in the type of environment. And it was, I thought I was bringing them the next best idea for simplifying and that it was going to make a massive impact. And you know what? It, it, had I gone in there with the attitude that I'm right and not been open to hearing other things, I think Gladys would have felt like I was a bully. And it's really worth taking time to include other people. That's absolutely, 100%, what we will gain on the times that we gain it makes up any other time that it didn't. Now, slight warning here that if we're clear of the highest arching goal and we're building down and a decision's easy and it's easy to make and it's change-driven, but it's clear to the largest item. Sometimes it's also wise just to make the decision and move on. We had made the decision to change the environment of that store, which took helping change the mentality and the mindset of the people working it that had these beliefs that they'd never be able to get ahead, which meant changing the mindset of the clients, the customers that were coming in, that they, if it was a certain time of day, they'd always have to wait. It was, it was right next to a movie theater. And we started, but the answer was in getting all of the information and feedback from everybody that worked there and some of the customers and some of our neighbors and the movie theater. Say, how are we handling this and how are we managing this in a way so that people love coming here and give us business when they're going to the movies? They don't just see a line and run away. And of course, we had huge success because we had made the decision to make the change and get people out in a, in a, in a, in a, reasonable time frame. Now, we weren't always able to make the same as a morning commute, but it was a different and it was a different environment, but we were able to gain the trust of the customers again that they knew that they wouldn't have to wait much more than that. And if they were in a big hurry, we had buy-in and agreement that we'd kick that around. And if some people were just waiting and hanging out and socializing and then their movie didn't start for an hour, great. So we just changed the vibe. But our higher our higher purpose goal was set and anchored, and some decisions were just easy to make. And some decisions, we were just able to say, let's make this decision. And anyone there was able to make a quick decision because it served a higher goal. But things like this, where you find resistance, 
Listen to the resistance. Don't cast it aside. Now that I'm going to bring back into here. I'm consistently talking about how the process of change is the same at its root. It's the same if we're in a large group versus a small group versus an individual. Might take a little more effort, a little different effort, but the root of it's the same. The process is the same. The rapid ability to change with a values system shift is significant and absolutely possible. So we can break through a lot of beliefs, whether it's internally, just with change we want to make for ourselves or with a work group, if we help evaluate and look at the values and look at our, our largest, our largest type of goal. Um, so we bring this back down to just being an individual and that resistance. When I feel resistance in a work group, it's simple. We say, what's the resistance? And we look at what everyone's strengths are and what that person's strengths are. And we find a, a, a positive way, so a reinforcing, solid way to move forward and bring change and help that resistance, listen to that resistance and learn and from what it has to teach us rather than discard it. Because we don't discard our, our mates, our fellows, right? That, that we're working on a project with together. So... The call to action would be make sure you are not countering your own self-value, right? So do not devalue yourself, value yourself. Don't undermine valuing yourself. And I say that because when, when we feel resistance, when a part of us feels resistance and we're wanting to change, that resistance is a message, right? Feelings are a delivery mechanism. They're delivering some type of a message to us that if we learn, we can have benefit. And many times we're casting it aside. We're throwing it away. We're, saying, we're, we're ignoring it, discarding it. And the call to action is, not to do that. The call to action is to honor the resistance you feel as a tap on the shoulder to get your attention so you can hear something and not have problems moving forward, not have other bigger things happen later. Like in the Gladys story, the potential for what could have gone wrong had we not gone through a process to change. Now, we're not going to dig today into the process to change. I really just wanted to tell a fun story and I wanted to dig into this idea of what this looks like for creating change on a, on, a, on a work group environment, the importance of listening to everyone. As, and I wanted to pull that back down into the importance of listening to your entire self. Really, in, really paying attention to your body, what your body's telling us, what your body's telling you. Listen to your mind, listen to, to your gut. Right. There's all these things that, you know, pay attention to what you're seeing, hearing, smelling, pay attention, notice your senses. Cause there's all kinds of messages coming. I, a while back we did, um, I did a presentation and we were talking about how that most innocent response or reaction to something, there's usually some type of great gold, some great message. And that's often what we just cast aside. 
right? I'm in an environment and something happens that seems offensive or something else. And I, I might immediately think, oh, that person's a jerk. And then think, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to think that about anyone. And then we, I shift and I go, blah, 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 blah. And I don't pay attention to that person as a jerk. Well, that person may or may not be a jerk, but it doesn't change the fact that that was an initial response I had or a gut level reaction. And maybe they're not a jerk, but there's something about them that would have been valuable for me to know or learn that that message was trying to tell me. That is, and sometimes it has nothing to do with what I initially thought, but disregarding it and moving on is invalidating myself. So give yourself the regard and the recognition and the respect to listen to what you're thinking and saying without judgment. Stop worrying, pay attention and value and honor whatever the messages are that are coming into your mind or your body and just use them for information. That's all it is. It only becomes judgmental or some other problem or some other thing if we make it of that. But if we just use it first as information and sit with that information and allow that information to teach us something, we, we walk away stronger, better with more options. We have more options. Otherwise, when we devalue ourselves and we just go down to trained or learned responses that we think help us succeed, we're not necessarily always showing up in our authentic self. We're kind of feeding into the idea that a leopard never changes spots. And which isn't true, especially if we're showing up in strategies and we are causing problems from problems that cause more problems. Because now I show up in a strategy and that rubs someone wrong or that causes some other type of a problem. And then I react to that and we get into these drama cycles that we might have been able to avoid had we listened to that one thing. Had we heard our initial response or reaction and not discarded it. As I've done that, I'm going to challenge everyone here. As I've done this work with people, I have consistently found, including myself, that when challenged, people say, well, I can, I, I always, I pay attention to myself. Even the people who say that they pay attention to themselves have room to find where they don't. It's too big of a, of a complex world. And if you have met someone that absolutely listens to themselves at all times and hears those initial responses and then responds rather than reacts and doesn't add any drama to their life, I'd like to meet them. Um, so bring them to me or, or introduce me, please. Because it's just not the reality. and But we're all proud and we're all wanting to feel good about ourselves. The whole idea that there is no failure, there's only feedback really comes into play here. Because the more feedback I can receive from the world, the more feedback you can handle, the better. And sometimes that feedback is coming from such a close source as in yourself. And you're just not paying attention. The last occasion that I can think of when this happened, well, I don't know if it was the last, absolutely the last, but um, something had happened and we, I'd gotten a card from somebody and they had put a small gift in it and it was really out of nowhere and I couldn't figure it out. And I just used it as information. And I didn't get excited about it. I didn't say too much thanks. I just kind of sat on it for a little while. And then a little bit later, 
I, something happened that I realized that they weren't being transparent and they were feeling bad about it. And therefore they were, it was like a guilt thing. Right. And I didn't react to it. Like, going, why'd you give me this? Like, and then I, but I, as when, as soon as the information later came, I knew, but that was because I went ahead and listened to this. Something's off with why I just got this gift. Not a big deal. And then all of a sudden now it's, oh, I understand. And that actually happened this morning. So that was about a week and a half ago to today where I just held something as information that I might've judged. And I, that just felt off, right? Just something felt off. I acknowledged, boy, this feels off. Stored it as information. Now today, oh, that makes sense. They were in the middle of something that they weren't at liberty to share. And they were feeling poorly about not sharing it because it had an effect on me. And now that I know what was happening, it makes sense as to why they did that. I could have turned that into a story that caused problem in that relationship. And because I just listened and used it as information, that didn't have to happen. So use these notions that come to you sometimes just as information. Well, they're always just information. It might clear immediately. It might take a week or two to clear. It may never clear, but if it's just data, if it's just information and there's no judgment, you have a really good chance of moving forward and gleaning whatever it is you need to, to not, can, not create drama and have the time and energy to move forward towards what you really want in life. Many times I found that those were what people call sabotage, right? A lot of those things come along and come in many forms of sabotage. So that's a whole other reason for another podcast, but Today, this is it. We're going to end it here. I hope that story was, was fun for you. I, I, it probably would be better on stage with some visuals with an actual cartoon image, maybe it's a stick figure or something of someone trying to pick something up and their feet lifting off the ground, but bless her heart. Gladys has been an inspiration. Anytime I've, I've, um, been around her, um, and I, I just thank God on a consistent basis that I continue to be surrounded by amazing people that are willing to dive in and make things happen. Uh, most recently in health and working with a client in the healthcare realm, um, and being around a lot of people in, um, healthcare and supply chain, we have some real heroes out there and some people that really just love people and love their families and love making a difference. They just have this deep, passion for what they do in wanting to make a difference in the, in the end goal of having some, some positive experiences in healthcare and saving people's lives. So we can go off into the drama of all the problems in the system, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who really have this huge level of caring that are really doing everything they are in all levels of organizations because they want a positive experience for people they love and for people they don't even know. So I'm blessed. To, I'm just, I'm continually grateful for these amazing people I get to meet that want to run into change to make things better. Keep your feedback coming. Keep your comments coming. Let's collaborate and get into this more. Um, much appreciation to everybody. Make this a beautiful week. Thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of The Point with me, Jeff Spikes. The greatest compliment you could give me is liking, loving, and sharing this episode with all your friends. So please, if you're on Spotify, iHeart, or iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. If you're on YouTube, 
like and subscribe. Make sure to tag me. I love hearing from you, the listeners of this show. The links for all my social and iTunes are in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to engage with me in anything related to my coaching, consulting, speaking, or programs, please visit jeffspikes.com for everything you would need to know to engage with me offline. And lastly, thank you for your time, your attention, and your consideration. This is The Point.